0: If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kink against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have, been, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's give it up for Jesse. That is how you read the Bible. Paul said to Timothy, he said, uh, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. I just want to see how devoted y'all were this morning. So it was like 10 minutes of Bible right there. Um, well, good morning. My name is Dylan, location pastor It's so good to be with you, to be continuing and actually wrapping up our series on BLESS. If you are new with us, this series is a series that uh, we kicked off. BLESS is an acronym to remind us that we have been blessed by God, not so that we could just be blessed, not so that we could be a cul-de-sac of God's blessing, but so that we could be a blessing to the world around us. We might be a river of God's blessing to those who are in our lives, in our sphere of influence, in our circles. And so we've been gone through this acronym, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and now story. And this is specifically about sharing the story of what God has done in our lives and the story of what Jesus has done for us to those who don't yet know his love. And I just wanna to talk to you about story for a minute because we all love a good story. And stories are powerful. Uh, the best movies are the best stories. Talk about Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. I mean, I don't know about Star Wars, but I mean, it's, you know, the best movies are the best stories. I'll leave it at that. But all stories, uh, all, all movies, all good movies are good stories. doesn't matter if they're a comedy or a drama or action, whatever it is. If it's a good movie, it has a good story stories hook us. They capture our attention. They capture our imagination. They do something to us. They draw us in. And what, it could be a good story that draws us in and hooks us. Sometimes it's not even a great story that does that. I mean, just the story in and of itself is capturing of our attention. I mean, I have a little girl. Uh, she watches Daniel the Tiger. I love Daniel the Tiger. And uh, I'll be watching it with her, snuggling with her while she wakes up from her nap, watching Daniel the Tiger, eating her snacks. and And we're kind of watching this and it ends. And I kind of Break out of my days and turn it off, and I look around, I'm like, Where's my daughter? What time is it? And it was, you know, I just got caught. I had to see the end of the story, got me. And it doesn't matter what story it is. I mean, HGTV, like, I turn it on because I want to learn how to build a deck, right? But uh, it's not the deck. Like, the, they taught me how to build the deck, and I'm still hooked. Why? Because they're telling me the story. I got to see the end of the story. Stories hook us, they do something to us. And the best stories, they change us. We walk away, and we're never the same from the best stories. It could be that it pierces our heart. It could be that it inspires us or it makes us think about our life. It could be that it touches you. It may, maybe it brings you to tears. It makes you look back and contemplate, what have I done? Or it makes you look ahead and say, what am I gonna do? But stories, they never leave us the best ones. They never leave us the same. Not only do they do that, stories connect us. I mean, when you think about, when you get together with your family, what do you do? You don't talk about, you know, all these little facts here. No, you, know, you talk about stories. You talk about that time you tried to fry the turkey, you almost caught the house on fire. Or you talk about that time that you tried to make that key lime pie and instead of two cups of sugar, you did two cups of salt. And, you know, the family was like, oh, you know, that's, that's what you talk about. Or you talk about that time that uh, you were at band camp, you know, and you put gold bond on top of all the fans so that when they hit the fans in the morning, everybody would just get splattered with gold bond. It's not my story, it's somebody else's story. Or you talk about that time that, you tp the university president, or that time that you went golfing in the rain and your club's right into somebody's pool, like 40 yards away from where you were trying to, you know, and, and then you take a dive in the pool to get the club, and then the dude shows up. That's Tony's story. Uh, stories connect us. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, it's like a running, it's a reel, it's a highlight reel of the stories of our lives. Our lives are comprised of stories. And you know what? God, in his love for us, he gives us a story. In his love for us, he gives us a story. Every person we're told in Acts chapter two, verse 21, every single, every single, there it is. Every single person, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord should be saved. I love this verse. You know why I love this verse? Because what this verse tells us is it doesn't matter who you are, red, yellow, black, or white. Rich, middle-class, or as poor as poor can get. doesn't matter if you spent your life running drugs or you spent your life in a church pew. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every single person. God doesn't care who we are, where we come from. All he cares about is that we call on the name of the Lord and we shall be saved. And if we have called on the name of the Lord, friends, we have a story. And we have a story to tell. We have a powerful story to tell. We have a story that is meant to change the lives of the people around us, not because we're awesome, not because we created a great story, but because God has done something magnificent in our lives. He has done a work in our lives that is worth talking about. He has given us a story. Ephesians chapter two says, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. Every single one of us, every single person on planet earth, we have been dead in our trespasses and sins except for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ in our lives. And the next three verses, it just goes on and on and on to tell us just how bad it was, just how bad we were. The fact that we were totally helpless to make ourselves right before God. And we were totally hopeless of ever being different from this very state being dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. That this was the story of our life. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, maybe the most profound verse in all of Scripture. It begins like this But God, but God. <laughs> That's the story of our lives. That is our story. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. Our story is a but God story. And if you're a Christian, If you are a Christ follower, if you believe in Jesus Christ, there was a moment in your life, whether you remember it or not, there was a moment in your life where you crossed the line of faith, where you went from one who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't love him and delight in him and and know who he is and and really believe in his name, but you crossed that line of faith and now you do. And for you, it may be that it was dramatic like Paul on the Damascus Road, or it could be that you were raised in church and, and it was by your bedside with your parents and you don't remember, but they remember. But whatever your story, whatever your story, it's a powerful story. It's a story worth being told because it's a God story of what God has done in your life. I know people who, when they were six years old, they crossed the line of faith. And some of you who are raised in church, you despise that story. You're, you're timid with that story because you feel like you don't have a story. Because you feel like, well, I just as long as I remember, I've, I've known and loved Jesus. And I just wanna, I want you to know that is a wonderful story. That's the story I'm praying my daughter would have. that that there would never be a day in her life where she didn't know and love the person of Jesus Christ. That is an incredible story. And you should be grateful for that story. You should be bold with that story because that's the story of God's redemptive work, not just in your life, but in your entire family. Maybe your story is different. Maybe your story is that you were running drugs. Maybe your story is that you were depressed and lonely. Maybe your story is that you in essence, prostituted your body out to the opposite sex because you were just looking for someone to love you, someone to show you attention. Maybe your story is that on the outside, everything looked good, everything looked pretty, everything looked successful, but on the inside, you were dying. That was my story. My story is that on the outside, all looked well. I seemed to have friends. I seemed to be on the path to success. I seemed to be having a very happy life, but on the inside, I knew that something was missing. I knew that there had to be more to life than this. Maybe that's your story. Whatever your story is, it's a powerful story because it's a God story. And I hope that the message that you're getting today is that it's a story worth telling. And here we have the Apostle Paul standing before King Agrippa and this entire crowd of people in his moment of opportunity. And you know what the Apostle Paul does? I mean, he has every tool in his tool about, like, this is the dude. I mean, he has most of the Old Testament memorized, he's written more of the New Testament than anyone else. He was raised as religious as religious can get, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's, he's educated. He's intelligent. He could pull anything out, the greatest apologetic, the greatest argument. He could, he could give all the steps to salvation in Jesus Christ. But you know what he does? As good as those things are, he says, the most compelling thing I can do in this moment is tell my story to King Agrippa and these people. And I mean, check this out. This is 25 years after this happened. 25 years after Jesus knocked Paul off his horse on the Damascus road and appeared to him and spoke to him, 25 years later, the apostle Paul is telling his story like it happened yesterday. He's not talking about it like, oh yeah, back in 1985, God did something in my life. And man, ever since, you know, that was was awesome back then. No, no, he's telling it like it was yesterday. There's something to be said about the life of God being so fresh in us, so alive in us that, that Jesus is living and at work in our lives that we can tell our story today like it happened yesterday. And I just wanna to say to us, you know, that that's why this begin with prayer is so important because it's in the place of prayer that the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates the life of God in our hearts. It's in the place of prayer that the Holy Spirit gives to us the joy of our salvation and reminds us about what Christ has done. Because even what if it was 40 years ago, We can tell it in such a way that we're talking about this Jesus who we know today, not just some person who did something way back in our lives back then. And see, Apostle Paul, it's 25 years after Jesus knocks him off his horse. He's nearing the end of his life, and he is telling his story with such radiance and faith, compelling this crowd of people, trying to compel Agrippa to turn their lives over to Jesus Christ. And I'm confident if we give ourselves to these first four things, to begin with prayer and listen and eat and serve, that, that God will give us opportunities to share our story. Matter of fact, I'm confident that God is already giving us opportunities to share our story. They're before us every single day. And often we either don't see them or we do see them and we're afraid to step into them. And it, it could be fear of losing our reputation. It could be fear of what others may think of us. Oftentimes, I think it's fear that we won't know what to say. We won't know how to respond. And friends, I'm just so encouraged by the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. If you don't know this story, it's the story of a Samaritan woman, and she's by this well, and Jesus is passing through Samaritan, and and he stops at this well to interact with this woman. And uh, that's a big deal. It wouldn't have happened in that day because not only do Jews not interact with Samaritans, but especially a Jewish rabbi interacting with a sinful woman. This was totally off limits, totally breaking what was culturally acceptable at the time. And Jesus does it because he's after this woman. He loves her. He wants her to know the story of what he has done for her. And so he's interacting this woman and he's listening to her. He's asking her questions. He's dialoguing. He's beginning to share with her. Look, I know what your life is like. You don't think I know, but I know. And then he gets this part and he says, look, you're looking for living water. You're, you're, you're looking for water, something that will satisfy, that will quench this internal thirst you have. I want you to know that I'll give you the water that will never run out, the living water, the eternal water. He's saying, you have this need, this deep internal need for something more. You've been looking for it your whole life. I'm it. Jesus, he listens and he stories with this woman. And the incredible thing about this story is first what Jesus does with her, but then she goes off back to her town and she She's a brand new Christian, just a day old. She goes back to her town, doesn't know anything, hasn't studied any of this, hasn't been trained in evangelism, hasn't any of it. Goes back to her town and she just tells her story. And and, and I love it. John says that many believed. This woman was simply faithful with the story God gave her and many believed Many believed. Not only that, there was this whole group of people that at first they didn't believe, but they were curious by her story. Her story drew them in enough that they said, we gotta gotta find out more, we gotta learn more. And so they came to see Jesus for themselves. And then once they get to Jesus, Jesus does all the heavy lifting. And they believed. A whole town city was impacted by this woman's life simply because she was faithful with the story that God gave her. A few years ago, I was sitting with a friend of mine at Steak and Shake and I had the privilege of sharing Christ with him, sharing my story with him and praying for him to cross the line of faith. And so we prayed the prayer and I went off to the bathrooms. Okay, I'm gonna hit the restroom, then we'll get out of here. And I come back out of the restroom and he just became a Christian two, three minutes ago. I come back out of the restroom and he's talking with the woman at the booth next to us and he's telling her his story, which just happened. He's literally never opened the Bible in his life. The Lord. And he's telling the story of just what God did in his life. And here's the thing. I don't say this to say, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't care about this. Who cares about the Bible, right? I mean, no, it's not what I'm saying. It's so good to know the scriptures. We should know who Jesus is. We should study his word and continue to grow in knowledge about who he is. But let our lack of knowledge never keep us from telling the wonderful works that God has done in our lives. And let us to always trust in the Holy Spirit that He'll give us words in the moment, especially as we're pursuing more knowledge, more growth, more holiness. You don't have to have the Bible memorized or to answer it. You don't have to know how to answer complex philosophical questions. You don't have to have all the answers. Just tell your story. So here's what I want to do today. I want I want today to be really, really practical. Because I think for many of us, we want to do this, we just don't know how to do this. And I hope that today is equipping for you. It's helpful for you. It may become so practical that it feels a little bit like a seminar. And so uh, if you're a note taker, this would be a great opportunity to take notes. Uh, as I was preparing for this, I was just looking at Acts 26 and how Paul is interacting with Agrippa and this whole crowd. And, and I, as I was looking at it, I realized, man, Paul Paul helps us. He's, he's kind of, in his story, he's showing us how we can do our story. And so I just want to Walk through Paul's story and draw out principles that could help us in telling our story. And uh, like I said, I want to get super practical. And so in your bulletin, there is a note card, and on that note card, it's broken up into three sections. And we're just going to walk through those three sections and talk through how can you write your story and then communicate your story in such a way that people will hear the works of what God has done in your life. And then this week in our community groups. If you're in a group, we're gonna just take time in our group to practice and share our stories with one another. And that's not to get it perfect because we'll never get it perfect and that's not even the goal. It's just to get comfortable with it. Sometimes sharing our story, it's kind of like riding a bike. You just gotta keep doing it and getting on and getting on. And and eventually you're like, I kind of got this bike thing. And you know, it'll never feel natural. It doesn't feel natural for me at least, uh, but at least you'll feel more and more comfortable to where you feel bold to share it when God gives you your moment of opportunity. So here Paul is, Before King Agrippa, he gets his moment of opportunity and he starts with his life before he became a Christian. That's a great place to start in telling your story. What were you like before you met Jesus, before you became a Christian? What did you think about God? What did you think about Christians? What were your attitudes? What was your disposition towards life? How was your experience of life? Were you feeling lonely? Were you feeling depressed? Were you pretty content? May have been that you were content, you just didn't know that there was more to life this. Maybe you're like me, and on the outside, your life seemed pretty good. It seemed like you're on the right path, things are going well, but internally, you knew something's wrong. You weren't satisfied. You Maybe you felt there has to be more to life than this. That's how I was. For Paul, his life was actually a very religious one before meeting Christ. So his, before I became a Christian, was I was very religious. He actually says, Acts 26, verse 4, my manner of life from my youth, i.e., as far back as I can remember, this is how I was. And he goes on, he says, according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And that's no exaggeration. I mean, he was trained by an expert in the law, Gamaliel. He was uh, brought up as a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like I said, would have had most of the Old Testament memorized. He was, he was giving generously, serving sacrificially, even trying to convince others to follow his way of religion. You wanna talk about devotion. Paul was a devoted Dude, Paul, and, and he says, before I became a Christian, Paul says, I was zealous. I was zealous for religion. I thought I was doing all the right things and yet my heart was far from God. Maybe that's your story, a religious story that you were brought up in church and on the outside, people would have been like, oh, he's a good church boy. He's, she's a good church girl, but, but internally you knew. I, I wasn't loving Jesus. I wasn't walking with him. I didn't really know him and have a relationship with him. Maybe that's your story. Maybe, maybe your story is that you weren't religious, Maybe you were skeptical, you're, you doubted. Maybe you were even opposed to Christianity. You might've had a bad interaction with a Christian or just had a bad taste in your mouth of maybe a Christian who was a hypocrite or something like that. Whatever your story is, just write down, what were you like? What was your attitude, your disposition towards God, towards faith before you were a Christian? Maybe you were just casual towards God, not devoted to God, but not totally opposed, just kind of casual, apathetic. It's probably the most common story in our part of the world, just casual, apathetic towards God. Maybe that's where you were. Whatever you were like before becoming a Christian, think about that, write it down, begin to craft. What, were you, what was it like before Jesus? First 11 verses, Paul describes before becoming a Christian. Then he moves on, verse 12, to how he became a Christian. He talks about the circumstances surrounding him coming to faith in Jesus. He says, I was on a journey to Damascus to persecute Christians. He says, it was about midday. He, give, he drops these little details in to make the story come alive, but he doesn't get lost in the details. So as you're crafting your story and you're moving on to that second part of how did you become a Christian, give a few details. Maybe I was in college and I was trying to find my faith for myself and try to figure out, do I even really believe that? Or maybe you were, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and becoming really successful, making a lot of money, and you realize, like, it doesn't matter how high I get or how much I make, it's just not gonna satisfy me. And that's what led you on your faith journey. Or maybe it's say you hit rock bottom, like you, you went into debt or you had to declare bankruptcy or you got a divorce or you lost a loved one. Maybe you hit rock bottom and that's what led you on your faith journey. But whatever surrounded you coming to faith in Christ, those circumstances, just give a little bit about that. For me, like I said, I was living for momentary pleasure and it was empty. And what happened is my sister became a Christian and she began praying for me. And then I was working with a guy who was a Christian and he began sharing with me, storing with me, listening to me, praying for me, sometimes eating with me, which I really appreciated because I ate a lot back then. And, uh, and then he invited me to church and another friend invited me to church. And I was at church for probably six months, just sitting at the back, kind of checking it out. Like, am I into this? Am I not? And some, some days I had really emotional experiences that I couldn't describe. And then one Sunday morning, the preacher said, hey, if you wanna receive forgiveness for your sins and surrender your life to follow Jesus today, raise your hand and then come down here, get on your knees and and pray saying, I wanna give my life to Jesus. And for me, it was like my feet were just stuck in mud. Like everything in me wanted to, but I was so afraid to. And the moment I took that step, it was like a thousand pounds were lifted off my back. And it was almost like for the first time in my life, I could breathe. I didn't know that I needed to breathe, but it was like for the first time in my life, I could breathe. And then when I I knelt down at the front of that church and, and confessed my sins and surrendered my life to Jesus, for the first time in my life, I experienced true peace and true joy and true love. I was overwhelmed at the emotions that I experienced in that moment. For me, that would be the moment of how I came to Christ. For you, it may be different. For Paul, it was a supernatural, dramatic moment. God knew Paul. God knew that's what Paul needed. He was stubborn. He was never gonna change his mind about Christians. He was on his path to persecuting more of them. God knew, I have to break in on this guy in a dramatic, supernatural way. For you, God knows you. He knew what you needed It could have been, it was just a gradual process. Maybe you just came to church, you were checking it out and little by little, you began to believe. And then one day you thought, I I believe this. I don't know how I came to believe, but I believe it. Maybe you were studying the Bible. Little by little, your heart was warmed to the things of God. It doesn't matter so much how you came to the place of faith, but just the fact that you believe is really all that matters. And just tell, how did that process happen in your life? God knows you, he knows the people he's putting you around. And so trust him in telling your story. So Paul starts with, before I was a Christian, and then he says, this is how I became a Christian. And finally, Paul says, this is how my life is different since I became a Christian. For Paul, his life took a complete 180, and that's appropriate because the Bible says that we're born again, that that we were once this and now we're this, that, that literally we died with Christ and we have been raised with Christ, that the old is gone, behold, the new has come. It's appropriate that our lives would take a 180. And for many of you in this room, I'm looking around, I know many people, just in the last couple of years, you have come to faith in Christ. You have this story. Some of you, like I see, raised in church, and you may not have that, oh, this dramatic change, but what you have is, man, all my life, God has been with me. He has been faithful to me. He has displayed to me over and over and over again, his love. That is a powerful, powerful story. So he starts with, before I was a Christian, then how I became a Christian, then This is how my life is different since I became a Christian. For Paul, instead of persecuting Christians, he joined them. Instead of going on a persecution tour, he went on a preaching tour. Let me check this out. I declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. This is incredible. I was traveling around trying to persecute and shut up Christians. And now I'm traveling around trying to tell the world to come to faith in Jesus. It's really amazing. Instead of giving his life to silence them, he gave his life to preach their message. So let me ask you, what's changed for you now that you've become a Christian? What's different? What attitudes are different in you? Maybe you were depressed and now you have joy. Maybe you were lonely and now you're in a family that, that the father, that you were a fatherless person, but now you have the father of lights who is your father and you're connected to the church, a family. These are all beautiful things that God does in your life. What confidence do you now have that you didn't have before? Before you felt you could never be forgiven, now you're sure that you have been. Before you felt God could never love you, now you know he does. What's your life about now? Maybe before your life was about money or success or sex or popularity, whatever it may be. That was your before, but what's your life about now? Now your life is about knowing and loving Jesus. Your life is about being a blessing to those around you. What has God done in your life? So you wanna clear before, this is how God did something in my life, And this is after. This is how I came to faith in Jesus. This is the result of coming to faith in Jesus. Finally, just a little tip. Paul weaves his story into the story of Jesus. You know, our story in and of ourselves is, if you go back to that blessing, our story in and of ourselves is not going to change someone's life. And actually, if we just do the first four just begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve. If we stop there, it just paints us as really great people, people who can get through hard times and people who are always joyful and people da, 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 da. And when people look on us, they'll think, wow, that's an awesome person. If we just do the first four. But it's the last one that actually communicates the love and the mercy of God to someone. And here's the thing, when you're sharing your story, and you're trying to weave the story of Jesus into that. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know a lot of stuff about Jesus, but just say what you know about him make it a story that isn't boasting in you but is using your story as a platform a bridge to boast in God himself and so Paul says so here I stand testifying both to small and great saying nothing about saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead he would proclaim light both to our people and to the gentiles Paul's like this Jesus whom I'm serving he's the messiah I was like, look, I'm giving my life to tell people about him, but it's not about me, it's about the light. And what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to point people to the light that is in Jesus, that if they just trust in him and love him and believe on him, that they'll be saved too, that they can have what I have if they simply believe in who I believe. And so be be weaving your story in with the story of Jesus as you share it. Friends, your story is powerful. Be confident in that, be bold with that, share your story. Our story is powerful, not because of our story, but because of the work that God is doing in our lives. A few tips I want to leave you with just to help you sharing your story. First, keep it short and sweet. Write out a 30 second testimony and a three minute testimony. Here's the thing no one wants to listen to a sermon, right? They don't, they don't want to listen to an hour lecture about you need to come to faith. And just, what, but if you just give a 30 second little, little teaser of what God has done in your life, It's gonna make them thirsty. It's gonna make them want more. And there may be opportunities where you get a three-minute version or a little bit longer version, but most of the time, I mean, I hate to break the news to you, but most of the time, the 30 seconds is gonna be all you get. And so keep it short, keep it sweet, keep it punchy. Practice it, work with it so that you feel comfortable with it when your opportunity comes to share with someone. Keep it conversational. This isn't always progressive, you know? It's not always like, okay, I prayed for him, and I listened to him, and then I ate a meal with him, and then I served him. Now I get the story. You know, you kind of have to keep it conversational. I mean, matter of fact, Paul, he gets interrupted. Like, it literally says Paul is speaking, and then Agrippa spoke up loudly. He interrupts him. And Paul's a charismatic dude. So if Paul gets interrupted, we might get interrupted. I hate to break the news, but we might get interrupted. And that's actually a good thing. Dialogue is always better than monologue. And so be conversational. It's always kind of this dance between listening and storing, listening and storing. You probably ask a question. I know for me, uh, just asking the question, hey, what's your story? Has been a really powerful tool to open up sharing my story with someone else. And so I remember when I was in college, I was, uh, had this friend and he said, hey man, you know it's Christmas break. Hey man, would you mind giving me a ride home before you head off? And I was like, uh, yeah, how far is it? And it's, oh, 10, 15 minutes. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll give you a ride home, no problem. So we get in the car, 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes, I'll oh, just keep going. And I was like, about how far, how much longer do we have before we get to your house? 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes now. Oh, just five more minutes, We're almost there. 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So about 20 minutes in, when I realized this is a longer trip than I, thought, than I signed up for, i was like, I'm gonna make the most of this. So I'm just asking him, while we're sitting in the car. You know, he's kind of trapped, you know, so I'm just asking him, like, hey, what's your story? What's God doing in your life? And and he began to tell me about his life and how actually he grew up worshiping his ancestors. And how he had this encounter with a spirit of his ancestor in his youth. And how that's kind of what his family does. And I asked him just question after question after question, to the point of me feeling uncomfortable, kind of learning about this whole, what I would say, kind of dark spiritual world that he grew up in. And Eventually, he told me enough about himself that he said, hey man, what's your story? Like, what do you believe? And it opened the door for me to share the gospel, to share my story of what Jesus had done in my life and then talk to him about who Jesus was and how I believed in Father God and all this stuff. And it all opened up because of listening, asking questions and then sharing my story. Keep it conversational. Third, be normal. Just be normal. You don't have to have like, preacher's tone of voice. You don't have to be like, man, God. You know, if you don't talk like that, don't talk like that. Just, just the same way you talk about the Cubs game and how you don't like the Cubs because you're a Cardinals fan. Same way you talk about that, talk about Christ. Just the same. Same way you talk about dinner that night, talk about Christ. Be normal. Don't, don't use religious jargon like the blood of the lamb. <laughs> Covered in the blood. I was washed in the blood. Don't, that doesn't help. So just be normal tone of voice, man. I was far from God, and I began to see this the love that I that is in Jesus, and it totally changed my life. Just be normal. You don't have to be all under pressure. If you feel under pressure, the person you're talking with is going to feel under pressure. So just release that pressure. Uh, actually, trust God with the conversation. Uh, fourthly, be joyful. Don't tell your story like you hate hearing it. <laughs> be full of God's joy. I mean, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So be praying as you share. Holy Spirit, fill me with joy. Fill me with peace. Fill me with the life that I'm talking about. Don't be the vacuum cleaner salesman who's like, hey, I poured a glass of wine on your carpet. Yeah, that's really terrible. All right, see you later. You know, like actually express, give them the experience of what you're talking about. Let them see the power that is in you through actually living in a relationship with Jesus. The joyful thing, we can't fake that. You try and strap a smile on when you don't feel joyful, it's not gonna work. I can sniff a salesman out a mile away, so can you. It's gotta be a real living thing in us. It's so important we have a genuine walk with Jesus. If we have that, everything else kind of falls into place. Uh, fifth, Be yourself. There's no pressure to be the energetic person or the educated person or the cool person. Matter of fact, if you're trying to be one of those things, it means you're not one of those things and it's not gonna help to try. Uh, I felt pressure to be all of those things. And you know, God, He, he isn't sending someone else to that person. He loves you, he's chosen you, he sent you, he's commissioned you, you're the one he sent. It's your story that needs to be told through your mouth and your life. And so just be you. Tell them they can have it. Tell them they can have it. When you finish your story and you're like, man, Jesus, he gave me peace that I never knew or I experienced love that I never had or oh, the joy of... So how terrible is your life? I mean, it's like, don't leave them on just like, don't leave them hanging with, oh man, God changed my life. All right, see you later. Say, man, you can have this. What I have, whatever you just told them about, you can have it. Or ask them, do you want that? Do you want the peace and the joy and the life that is in Jesus, that I've experienced. You can have it too. Tell them they can have it. Tell them they can have it. Finally, just do it. Just do it. You'll never feel like a natural, at least I don't. Every single time I go to share my story with someone, I get all insecure and nervous and I'm kind of, you know, shake a little bit. I clam up, but I take comfort in knowing God is with me that he has given me a story, that the gospel, that the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the power of God to save someone, not me, not my charisma, not my ability, just God's good news of what Jesus has done for all of us. That is what will bring someone across the line of faith. You and I, we cannot produce any change in someone's heart. Matter of fact, friends, we, we, we cannot take on the responsibility for the results. The results are not up to us, that's up to God. All we can take responsibility is being faithful with what God has given us. So I wanna encourage you, share your story. Friends, stories are powerful, they're memorable, they stick in our minds, they touch our hearts. God has given you a story and it's not just any story, it's a God story. Be confident in it, share it as often as you can and trust God that he will use you to lead person after person after person across the line of faith.